Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with God's servants as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. When men made chapter and verse divisions, they did make mistakes. The Word of God is divinely inspired. It's inerrant. But men, for the sake of helping us to find scriptures and to memorize passages, divided the Bible into chapter and verses, and it's a very convenient way to reference. However, many times they made the divisions in the wrong place, and in our reading, we are prone to read to an end of a chapter and then quit until the next reading. And sometimes the thought carries right through so that in the dividing of the chapters, they should have ended chapter 52 with verse 12, and they should have started chapter 53 with verse 13. Because the last three verses here definitely fit in with Isaiah 53. And so that we might see the relationship with 53. We will begin our study of chapter 53 with verse 13 of 52. As God now speaks about his servant, his only begotten son, who was in the form of God and thought it not something to be grasped to be equal with God. And yet he humbled himself and took on the likeness of man or the form of man and came in likeness of man. And being humbled, he came as a servant. And so Jesus said, I came not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And in the garden, he said, not my will, thy will be done. As he submitted as a servant unto the Father. Now Isaiah begins to prophesy here concerning God's servant that was to come. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled. The Hebrew word extolled is the word lifted up. It is the very same word that Jesus used in the New Testament when talking to his disciples said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. Now Jesus, when he was referring to being lifted up, was referring to the death that he was to die upon the cross as he would be lifted up upon a cross. And I, if I be lifted up, and the idea is being lifted up on a cross, I will draw all men unto me. 
Now, that scripture has been carelessly interpreted by many people as just lifting up Jesus. If you'll just lift up Jesus, he'll draw all men to him, you see. So in your ministry, just lift up Jesus. Or, uh, and, and they even have choruses, let's lift him higher, let's lift him higher that all the world may see. Well, whoever wrote that chorus doesn't have any real understanding of Scripture because they've taken it out of its context. In the context, the, the gospel writer said, this said he signifying the manner of death that he was going to die. That is signifying the cross, lifted up on a cross. And so here the cross is predicted, prophesied in Isaiah he shall be exalted and lifted up and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage or face was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of man. In the Hebrew, this reads more literally, his face was so marred that he could not be recognized as a man or as a human being. Now, we are told in the gospel that they covered his face and they began to buffet him. That is, with his face covered, they began to hit him. Now, as a general rule, our bodies have an automatic reflex kind of a Action when we see a blow coming, we give with the blow so it cushions the blow. You don't get the full brunt of it. If you don't cushion the blow, it is much a, a surprise blow that you don't see coming. That's where you get hurt. You guys that watch the Monday Night Football, you know that when a quarterback gets blindsided, he's in trouble. If he can see the guy coming, you know, you just sort of you reflex action to it and you, and you sort of go with it. And, and you may get bounced all over, but you're, you're reacting and coordinating with it. And thus, it's a lot easier to take. But if you don't see that big tackle barreling in on you and he hits you without your having any ability to defend yourself by the feigning that a person does, that's when you get the broken bones and that's when you get laid out of the game. Those blind sides are the really things that will put you out. Now with Jesus, as they covered his face and began to buffet him, no way to feign or, or to give with the blow and thus his face must have been horribly disfigured. Here Isaiah declares that it was so shocking as many as looked upon you were shocked when they saw how marred your face was, so marred that you could not be recognized as a man, as a human being. But so shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him for that which he had not that which had not been told them, they shall see, and that which they had not heard, shall they consider. But who hath believed our report? 
and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. Now he has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Interesting prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. He has no beautiful form or, or, or comeliness. There is no beauty there that we should desire. In other words, we will not be attracted to him by the physical beauty. Now, so often we have in our minds sort of a mental picture uh, of what a person may look like. And we, we sort of automatically do this, even though we haven't seen a person. I, I get this all the time where I go into areas where people have been listening on the radio. And I'll go into an area to speak, and, and all they've heard is my voice. And it's interesting to watch their shocked expressions when they see me. <laughs> because they have envisioned usually something far different than what I look like. But somehow we always create sort of a mental image. It's an ambiguous kind of an image, but yet there is sort of a mental image of what the person must look like who has a voice like that. And, and it so often is, is uh, very shocking when you uh, see the person that you've been listening to. I, I was shocked when I first met Dr. McGee. And uh, I didn't think he would look like that at all. You know, with that southern voice, I expect to see some tall Texan type of a guy, you know. And, and um, uh, it was just a surprise to me. And I suppose he was just as surprised to see me. And, and to see what I look like. So we have in our minds sort of a mental image of what Jesus is going to look like. And, and we sort of uh, imagine just being enthralled with the physical beauty of Christ. But as many as looked upon him were, were astonished because really there is no form or comeliness that is really attractive, when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. It isn't for the beautiful form that we will be attracted. And I think that this is, I think that this is rather great, that it will not be the beautiful form that we're attracted to. Because, face it, the majority of the people are ugly. Very few beautiful people, really beautiful people. Most of us are in the category of, we can get by. <laughs> but it isn't our looks that really attract people. Now, if he were one of those beautiful persons, then it would be more difficult for us to identify with him. But the fact that it isn't the beauty of his form that is attractive or draws us to him, 
means that each of us can identify with him because it is that spiritual beauty and the love that just draws us so much that we care not what the form may look like. Now, when John was in heaven and he saw the scroll in the right hand of him who sits upon the throne and he heard the angel proclaim with a loud voice, who is worthy to take the scroll and loose the seals? And as he observed that no one was found worthy in heaven or earth to take the scroll or to loose the seals, he began to weep. And one of the elders said unto John, Don't weep, John. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to take the scroll and to loose the seals. And John said, And I turned and I saw him as a lamb that had been slaughtered. No beauty that we should desire him. John's first glimpse of Christ in heaven, he saw him as a lamb that had been slaughtered. Not as some tremendously physical, robust, handsome creature that we all sort of envision Jesus to be. But perhaps the Lord still bears the marks of his suffering for you. He did bear those marks after the resurrection. For you remember Thomas said, except I can put my fingers into his hand and thrust my hand into his side, I won't believe. And so the next time Jesus showed himself to the disciples, Thomas being present, he said, okay, Thomas, Go ahead, put your finger in my hand. Put your hand in my side. The marks were still there. It said, and they shall look on him whom they have pierced. And they shall say unto him, what are the meaning of these wounds in your hands? Yet future, still bearing them, the marks of his love. For you. So as many as saw him were astonished. He has no form nor comeliness that is really an attractive, desirable, or attracting feature. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him, for he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Now, you probably have in your mind mental pictures of what Paul must have looked like. I read the epistles of Paul and I think of him as a giant. Surely he is a spiritual giant. I read in one of the apographa books or the, one of the early writings a description of Paul the Apostle. And it describes him as a skinny little runt, <laughs> about five feet tall, with a horribly large hooked nose, and eyes that were red, swollen, and constantly running. And, and it gave this horror. And I, I was upset because that's not how I picture Paul at all. I'm in love with Paul. 
My, what this man has given to us of his great depth of understanding and background. And and I so love the writings of Paul that I've, I've been drawn to him. He is one of those that I'm looking forward to just really spending some time with in the future. And yet, without seeing the the physical person, it, it is possible to be in love with an individual and yet not be physically attracted. And yet, it is interesting that so often today, we only associate love with physical attraction and not with the person themselves. And that's rather tragic. And that's why so many marriages are miserable because the person's married a face, but there's nothing behind the face. There's no depth of character. There's just, you know, there's just a face and, and, and that's it. One of the most miserable dates I ever had in my life was with a girl with a pretty face. Oh, I was excited. Man, alive, this is going to be great. My sister worked with her sister, and, you know, as they talked, well, my brother goes, oh, well, my sister goes, oh, well, my sister thinks your brother's cute or something, you know, and so, (laughs) man, that's all I needed, you know, so you call up and you make a date. Most miserable night. She had a beautiful face, but, man, she was a dud. (laughs) I mean, just a dull evening. No conversation, nothing, just... And and people make mistakes many times in relationships because we relate on the physical rather than upon the true nature of a person. Now, he is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Perhaps in shock and in horror. Have you ever looked at something that was so shocking you couldn't look, you turned your face? You couldn't stand to look at it? It it was so horrible. It may be that that will be your first response when you see the marks of the suffering that he bore for you. You look and you can't even, he doesn't even look like a human being. Ooh, you know, you just sort of cringe at it. He is despised, he's rejected. And we didn't esteem him, but surely In that suffering, in that death, he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Now this is why it is so ridiculous to Try to hold the Jews responsible for the death of Jesus Christ and to blame them and to persecute them as has been the history of the church 
persecute them for the death of Jesus Christ. That's sheer unscriptural idiocy. They are no more responsible for the death of Jesus Christ than you or I. We are all equally responsible for his death, for he was wounded for our transgressions. It was my sin that put him on the cross. It was my sin that brought him that suffering and that beating and that shame and that reproach. I'm guilty. And we shouldn't seek to blame someone else for our own guilt and to persecute someone else for that for which we are ourselves responsible. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So we are the ones responsible for the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ because he suffered and died for me. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 53 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and watch over you during the week. May your love and commitment to God grow day by day. And may we each one consider what we are giving to God and how we give it, that we might render unto God that which is pleasing and acceptable in His sight of our time, of our service, of our abilities, of our substance. God bless you, in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Come study the Bible with Pastor Chuck Smith as he teaches from Genesis through Revelation on a digitally remastered audio edition of Pastor Chuck's Bible Commentary. That's over 600 audio MP3 files of Pastor Chuck 
teaching through the entire Bible, all on a 16-gig reusable flash drive. Now you can easily listen to Pastor Chuck's Bible commentaries when you insert this key into your computer. Then you can transfer all of these audio Bible studies to a smartphone or any other listening device to learn and study God's Word on the go. And not only that, you can reuse this flash drive that easily fits onto any keyring for even more mobility at a fraction of the cost. What a great way to study and learn God's Word. For more information, please call the Word for Today at one 800 272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.